Hello and welcome to the Bridge City Church podcast. If you would like to get connected, you can find us on Facebook at Bridge City Church or come along to our Sunday service at 10am. We'd love to have a coffee and a chat. We hope you enjoy this week's message. See you at church. and to those who are watching online. Um, In recent months I've been talking about um, the gifts of the Holy Spirit and um, last week, last Sunday, after when I was talking to some of the guys after church, I was talking about what I was going to talk about and um, but during the week plans have been changed so you'll have to wait for another occasion, okay? So um, I haven't forgotten what I was doing. I just want to talk to you uh, really briefly and simply about the fact that we can have hope for our future because, you know, at this time, um, at this time, I forgot to get a higher stand, never mind. Um, At this time, there seems to be all sorts of issues in the world, isn't there? There's um, people are struggling because of the COVID virus and uh, they're being shut up and uh, put a, um, you know, Isolate, self-isolating the house, and some people aren't coping with that very well. And um, thanks, Doug. Mm, just a little bit about that. Yeah, that'll be good. <laughs> thanks very much. I meant to organise this before we started. So a lot of people are, are, are sort of shut up, and they're under some stress and pressure because of it. And um, um, I understand that it's difficult for some people, but. Um, one of the great things about being a Christian is that God has a destiny and a future plan for us. So it's not like we're just sort of stuck there and we're forgotten about. And it's a greater destiny than any of us can uh, generally imagine or think what's going to happen. Uh, because God, you might think that um, you know, you're, you're a nobody and you're someone just caught up in the system, but God sees you as somebody. And uh, some years ago, I came across a list of nobodies who became somebodies. Um, so let's have a look. We'll start with some people, characters from the Bible. First of all, who was Abraham? Abraham came out of a heathen land. His father worshipped idols, and, uh, but he became the father of the nation of Israel. Who was Joseph? Joseph was the second youngest son of the family. Started life as a messenger boy was later a slave then spent some time in prison but he became the prime minister of Egypt who was Moses. Moses uh, was found in a basket in the Nile River. He was the son of slaves but he became the greatest of the Jewish statesmen. And if you look at all the talents that Moses had he was a standout person. Who was Ruth? Ruth was a heathen from Moab, but she became the great-grandmother of King David. And who was David? Well, he was a shepherd boy who kept his father's sheep around Bethlehem, but he became the king of Israel. And in the New Testament, we see some more people. Who was John the Baptist? Well, he was a wilderness man living in the desert, and, uh, but he became the herald of Jesus, the Saviour. Who was Mary? Mary was an obscure maiden in Nazareth, 
but she became the father of Jesus, the Saviour. And who were Peter and Andrew, James and John? They were fishermen, but they became apostles of Christ. And um, today their names are known right around the world. Don't know any other fishermen who were on um, the Sea of Galilee at the time, but we certainly know about those four guys. Really, it doesn't matter where you've come from and what you've done, it's where you're going to that matters. Whether you're going to go there with God or without him. Looking into history, we find Aesop, who wrote the fables, was a slave. Robert Burns, the poet of Scotland, was a poor farmer's son. John Bunyan, who wrote Pilgrim's Progress, was only a travelling tinker. Columbus was a common sailor. Oliver Cromwell, who became young crown king of England, was the son of a brewer. Martin Luther was a miner's son. And William Shakespeare was the son of a butcher. (laughs) So all these people came from different backgrounds, didn't they? We each have a destiny in God's plan for us. When we become Christians, the Holy Spirit comes and begins to live in our lives. He dwells in us and gives each of us the power and the insight we need to push forward and to realise the great hope that God has has stored up for us. Not only do we begin to see a new hope and a destiny in our lives, but we also begin to see that we have a new identity as God's children. And when you think about it, as God's children, your destiny and your identity are tied up together. They're interconnected. You might see yourself as nobody, but God sees you as somebody that he loves. Right? Not just somebody he's acquainted with, but he, you're somebody that he loves. As we read the Old Testament, we see over quite a few times that uh, many occasions Israelite people lost sight of their destiny and also their identity at times because they sort of drifted away from, they got distracted from following God's way, from following God's law and rules. Uh, They were distracted because they began following the gods of the nations that were around them and following their customs. And um, usually it ended up with two re- one of two results, not always, but either God sent one of his prophets to them to um, preach to the people and turn them back to him and turn their faith back to him. But sometimes the nation was invaded by, they were invaded by another nation and then in desperation they would turn back to God, turn their faith and their allegiance back to him once again. In any event, when they repented for their disobedience and renewed their allegiance with God, he intervened in their situation and uh, on their behalf and turned events around so that it turned out for their benefit. Don't ever underestimate God. God can do great things and he's still doing great things. Uh, In 1948... The Jewish state of Israel came into being. After 1878 years, the Jewish people finally had a state, like a land, that they could call their own. 
Prior to the commencement of this statehood, the Jews were not allowed to arm themselves. I'm not sure why, but they weren't. And this left them largely defenceless against the Arab nations who were around them. And the Arab nations around them who already promised, we are going to push you into the sea. And so it was a pretty tense time. But the Israelis fought very hard. And in one battle, 20,000 Arabs were captured by 400 Jews. Right? Unbelievable number, isn't it? And on the eastern border, the army of the Arab Legion swept in armed with guns and modern weapons uh, of war. And as they approached Tel Aviv, they passed through Peter Tikva. And um, Peter Tikva is very close to uh, Tel Aviv. It's sort of like if Murray Bridge was being invaded, well, they were out at Monato, right? Not very far away. But in the, uh, in the groves there at uh, Peter Tikva, there were swarms of bees were kept, like thousands of swarms were kept. And as the Arab army passed through the groves with their tanks and their equipment, they made a lot of racket and millions and millions of bees came out and attacked them. And uh, the Arabs ended up trying to fight off the bees, dropped their weapons and ran off. Which, frantic, which left them in a position where now they were disarmed and it was the Jews that now had their weapons. On the northern border were the forces from Iraq, Lebanon and Syria and uh, while they were camped in the Jezreel Valley, they all became ill from some form of dysentery and they were too weak to fight the Jews who were now armed with the guns from the Battle of the Bees. God obviously remembered the covenant that he made with Abraham. In 2 Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. From the mid-70s until the early 80s, uh, we lived in Queensland and uh, in those years Sir Joe Bielke Peterson was the Premier of the state and at times he was fairly controversial and people either loved him or they hated him. It was, he, was really, he was someone who really polarised the state. And in 1979 there was a really bad drought in Queensland and Sir Joe did something that I haven't heard of any other state Premier doing. So Joe was a devout Lutheran and he believed that God could help. And he sent a letter to all the Christian pastors, ministers and priests and asked them to get their church con congregations to play, pray for rain. Pray for rain. And, uh, and I was working as a pastor for the Uniting Church at the time. And he, they picked a date. It was late in December. The Christians did pray and in the middle of the drought... It rained all over Queensland on that one day. I don't think the press made much of it, but those who were praying certainly knew what had happened. Praying for rain there was a corporate effort by all the Queenslanders, but don't underestimate what God can do for you as an individual. Right? He sent his son, Jesus Christ, into the world to be our saviour. He was signalling, God was signalling that he was going to deal with each of us individually because he was going to forgive each of us 
individually. By trusting in Jesus as our Lord and Saviour, we can each um, have our sins before God forgiven and then receive the benefits of being one of God's children. Because Jesus came to, um, to solve the problems that we have. And I know that sounds like a big statement, but when we look to him, he's able to solve the problems that we face in our lives. You see, the problems we encounter in our life often mould the way that we see life and often mould sort of our identity. When we accept Jesus as our Lord, as the Lord of our life, then we begin to identify with him and see that as we begin to see the potential that he sees in us, we begin to see ourselves differently. In John, 1 John 3.2 says, Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We are all now God's children, and we have the benefits of being called or being children of the King. Don't let Satan trick you out of your destiny right and your identity as christians because satan like the devil would love nothing more than to be able to separate you from the destiny and the future that god has for you and if you think that god satan's doing that to you don't worry because you're not alone right he tried this out on jesus we're going to read some verses from matthew chapter 3 starting at verse 16 and as soon as Jesus was baptised, he went out of the water and at that moment heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter, that is the devil, came to him and said, If you're the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Yep, good. And, what, and the, I won't read out all the rest of that um, section, but uh, he keeps coming, the devil keeps coming to Jesus and saying, Well, if you're the Son of God, why don't you do this? You know, you could be, I could you know, make you powerful or if you could throw yourself off the temple and, you know, the angels will save you. And so um, he keeps saying these things, if you're the son of God. And I don't know whether you can see what's happening here. Right, God has given Jesus the revelation that he is his son, that God loves him and he's pleased with him. And then Jesus heads out into the wilderness to fast and pray. And while he's there, Satan comes to him. And tempts him and says, and what does Satan say? He says, if you are the son of God. Right? He's immediately trying to re, um, contradict the very revelation that God had given to Jesus. Make sure I'm getting my pages right. Yes. <laughs> In other words, what the father had promised to Jesus, um, had spoken to Jesus, um, Satan was trying to reverse it and saying, oh, if you're the son of God. 
So in a way, he was almost like he was trying to sow doubt into Jesus' mind. And like the Satan comes and tries to sow doubt into our minds. And what we've got to do is the same as Jesus. Jesus sort of told him to go away. Jesus quoted scripture back to him. John 3, 2, which we looked at a moment ago, confirms that we are God's children. I can say with confidence that Satan will come and whisper doubts in your ears. Don't listen. Hang on to the Bible's promises. Let's look at the story of a man who enthusiastically took hold of his new destiny and identity. We're going to read Mark chapter 10, verses 46 to 52. And then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of, God, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called the blind man, cheer up, on your feet. He's coming, he's calling for you. And throwing the cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. So just to quickly sort of paraphrase this, Jesus is leaving Jericho and heading to Jerusalem where he will soon be tried and put to death. Uh, I guess no one else realises this at this point in time. This is the main road and there's many Jews making their way to Jerusalem for the Passover. The blind beggar, Bartimaeus, is sitting there by the road with all these people going past and it was probably a good time for him to be there because there's plenty of people to possibly throw some money to him. But then he hears that Jesus is coming along and obviously he's heard about Jesus. He might have been a beggar stuck down in Jericho but he knew about Jesus and when he hears that he's coming, he begins to shout out and try and get Jesus' attention. The bystanders who are there tell him to keep quiet because they don't see much relevance in a beggar shouting out. And they want to stop him spoiling the moment for them by shouting out. Bartimaeus isn't about to give up and he keeps shouting. And in verse 49 says, Jesus stopped and said, call him. And then suddenly the bystanders changed their attitude and said, cheer up, <laughs> on your feet, he's calling you. Rather a fickle group, weren't they? So he makes his way to Jesus who asks, what do you want me to do for you? And Bartimaeus says he wants to see and Jesus heals him. It looks simple, doesn't it? But let's look at the story a little bit more closely. But first of all, I've brought some things for show and tell. I've brought these things for show and tell once before. So let's, I'll tell you again. So here I've got some little bits of plastic that tell you stuff about me, about my identity. First of all, this is one probably most people have got. 
It's a driver's license, right? And this tells that I can drive a car and a truck and a motorbike. And then um, here I've got another card, which from when I was working, and this is called a white card, and it says I can work on a construction site. So that all the people working down at the, um, you know, the new Bridgeport Hotel, they'd all have to have one of these bits of, um, one of these cards or they wouldn't be allowed on the site. Then I've got another one that says that I'm um, qualified to work in confined spaces. And I used to need that ticket a fair bit in years past. I've got one here. This is an old one. It says that I'm an Australian blood donor from the Red Cross. And then I've got another one here that says that I'm a membership card for Deakin University alumni. So it means I'm part of the club, having been to university. And lastly, probably my newest one, is this credential from Australian Christian Churches to say that I have a pastor's credential. And I'm telling you this because each of these cards contributes something towards my identity and, and who I am, so you would know something about me. It means that I can legitimately perform some of these tasks, like driving a car or going onto a building site. In Jesus' time, the beggars were able to prove their legitimacy as a beggar. They didn't carry a bit of, a, didn't carry a plastic card like I've got there. But they nevertheless had something that proved that they were beggars. And the thing that proved that they were beggars was their cloak. And uh, I've never been able to find out quite what it was different about their cloak, but something about their cloak indicated they were beggars. So whether it was to do with the colour or whether they had patches all over it, I don't know. But the cloak would have been an important thing for the beggar. It wouldn't have just been important because it kept out the cold and the rain and the dust, but it was essentially a meal ticket. While they had their, this special cloak, which showed that they were beggars, they were allowed to beg. So this would have been important to a beggar, would have been a valuable item. So what happened when Jesus called Bartimaeus? Did he wrap his cloak tightly around himself and go to see Jesus? Did he fold it up neatly and hand it to someone else and say, just hang on to this for me for a moment, I'll be back in a couple of minutes? No, he didn't. In Mark's Gospel it says that he threw it aside, jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. Right? Effectively he was throwing aside his old destiny and his old identity. He was going to Jesus for a new destiny and a new identity. By healing him, Jesus had given him a new destiny and a new identity as well because now he's no longer a beggar and he's no longer blind. But he was a man now who could see. In fact, I guess he had two new identities because now he chose to become a follower of Jesus. Bartimaeus had made a wise choice to call out to Jesus because this was the last time that Jesus was going to pass by the road there. And it was Bartimaeus' last chance to be healed of his blindness. And how, I guess, ultimately to have his destiny changed. Bartimaeus gladly threw away his old 
life and his old identity. And I guess uh, sometimes can that be said of us as well? When we become Christians, did we throw away our old life and take on a new one or did we hang on to some of it? Because if you're still trying to hang on to some of it, Satan will be trying to remind you of your old life and how many times that you've failed. But you don't have to listen to him because God has a new plan for your life. And if you just ask God, if you've sinned, it's not a problem. Just ask God for forgiveness. Easy peasy. We always want to help those who love us. And those who love us always want to help us. And I I say this often because it's been a revelation to me. Because when you understand that God loves you, you begin to understand that he wants to help you and look out for you and look after you. It's quite a revelation when you understand this. No matter what happens, God always loves you and always wants the best for you. Right? He has to do that because it's part of his nature. The Bible tells us that God is love and God always sticks to his word. When we're prepared to accept God's destiny for our lives, we can achieve bigger and greater things than we ever expected. When we're prepared to leave our old destiny behind and accept God's destiny for our lives, we can achieve much more than we ever thought was possible. There's just one more thing left to say, and that is our destiny usually arrives incrementally, right? a bit at a time. It would, be, um, it would be really handy if we could find out what our destiny was all at one time. Yep, that's what I'm doing. This is what I'm going to achieve and I'm going to be here on this date and be here on that date and this is how I'm going to make a success in my life. But the thing is, God unfolds our destiny for us in increments, a bit at a time. Um, earlier I mentioned that David was a shepherd boy who became the king of Israel. This transition didn't happen overnight. It wasn't like David put his sheep in the yard one night, went to bed and when he woke up the next morning, he was king. It didn't happen that way. His destiny took years to arrive. Before he was a king, he was the leader of the army. Before he was the leader of the army, he was a shepherd boy who killed the giant Philistine soldier, Goliath. Before he killed Goliath, he was a shepherd who was looking after his father's sheep and on one occasion killing a bear and on, and on another occasion killing a lion when they attacked the flock of sheep. Before this, David was the youngest son of the family, wasn't considered important by his brothers even though the prophet Samuel had already anointed him once to be the future king. Years had gone by before David's God-given destiny was fulfilled. He didn't race into it. We've just got to say yes to God's plan and then let it unfold in our lives. Sometimes when we've if you get an insight of where God's leading, people want to rush in and do it straight away. But you've just got to let it unfold and it may take years. And a number of Bible characters in the Bible, like Joseph, saw prophetically into the future, but it was another 15 years maybe 
before he became the, uh, the Prime Minister of Egypt. And the last 18 months that I spent before uh, I retired, I was working on a farm out in the Mallee near the Victorian border. And one Friday night when I was driving home, I was listening to um, some preaching by Pastor Gary Cassie and he was speaking about God's plans for your life and the theme of it was just say yes to God. <laughs> he kept coming back to it, just say yes to God. And that sounded pretty good. I was in agreement with it with what he was saying, because it all sounded pretty easy, in theory. Just say yes to God. The next morning, our pastors, Pastor Vic and Robin, came to see me. And um, they began to tell me about the possibility of our church running a work for the Dole scheme here. And uh, that sounded okay. But then they suggested that I consider being one of the supervisors. And my first thought was, no, 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 no. <laughs> I don't want to do this. Because um, I was thinking, this is going to get me right out of my comfort zone. But as they talked about this, and they were sort of talking enthusiastically, I'm sitting there, and in the back of my mind, I'm having a sort of a replay of what I was listening to the night before, and the fact that I was agreeing with the statement, just say yes to God, right? So on the one hand, I'm thinking, no, no, no. But on the other side, I'm thinking, oh, yeah, but last night I was saying yes, just say yes to God. So when they finished talking, I said, yes, we'll do it. Now, there was a number of work for the Dole schemes that started in Murray Bridge at about the same time. And after it had been running for a while, probably a few months, we discovered that our work for the Dole scheme was the most successful of all the others. And which maybe surprised me, but I don't think it was the most successful because of the quality of the work done, but it was rather because of the new positive attitude that the workers had. We had made a difference in their lives. Before I could be part of this, I had to step out of my comfort zone. You've, you've each got a God-given destiny. But before you step into it, you have to step out of what's now your comfort zone. Bartimaeus threw down the security of his old identity. It was probably a brave thing so that he could have a new future and a new identity. And Jesus is offering us that same hope today. We can trade in the, uh, the destiny and the identity of our old life and have a new hope for our future, founded on the forgiveness we receive when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Saviour. Today is the first day of the rest of your life, as they say, and they too can be the first day of your new destiny. God offers us a powerful hope for free. <laughs> it doesn't cost us anything. He gives it to us for free. So just say yes to God. Just say yes to God. Let's pray just for a moment. Lord, I just thank you that you have a hope and a destiny for us. And Lord, as we take hold of it, we also get a new identity as your people. And Lord, I just thank you for this great promise, this great hope that we have. And Lord, I just pray that 
for the people who are here, for those who are watching online, that, you, Lord, you're just going to just open this new destiny for us. Give us um, the strength, the courage to uh, step into our new identity and our new destiny and our new hope for the future with you. Because, Lord, I just thank you that you've got this plan for us and you want it for us. We thank you now, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So if you've heard this message today and uh, of hope and you want to find out more about it, come and ask me or, the, or talk to me or the elders after the service. And uh, I guess if you're watching online and you want to know more, you can contact us at Bridge City Church and our email address is info at bridgecitychurch.com.au. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed today's podcast, make sure you subscribe to stay up to date with all our latest sermons. If you would like to get connected, you can find us on Facebook at Bridge City Church or come along to our Sunday service at 10am. 